0: On today's bonus episode of the Enneagram Mom, we'll be Enneagram typing Susan Powell and Josh Powell. So I've wanted to record uh, bonus episodes for a long time and I finally am like, okay, I'm just doing it. So when I'm watching TV shows, reading books, watching movies, listening to podcasts, I'm always kind of like doing an analysis of what I think the Enneagram number is behind what the person's doing because... Then I can better understand their response, where they're coming from. So I wanted to do kind of an analysis episode where I'm taking someone and kind of figuring out their Enneagram type. So I won't always do murderers or killers. So if that's not your thing, that's okay. I won't always have episodes like this. Um. I'll do some TV shows, I'll do books, I'll do different characters where I'll be taking situations and going, okay, this is what I think their numbers are based off of these situations. I can't always know what Enneagram numbers are because, again, they're not here for me to be like, so is this your core motivation? But this is me making some educated guesses. Last night, I was also asked to be on Killer Personalities podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts where they take the Enneagram... And this first season, they did serial killers, and they kind of do an analysis to try to understand the behaviors behind what these serial killers were thinking or doing, and also to try to understand what it is like in an unhealthy state. If you do not know anything about Susan, the Susan Powell case, I suggest listening to the cold podcast. It is absolutely one of my favorite podcasts. Um, The way that they go into it is so well done. Um, And it's also a local to Utah case. If you didn't know, I live in Utah. And so it just means a little bit more because it's an actual woman that lived here in Utah and was raised very similar to me. And so I connect with her on a deeper level. I've listened to the cold podcast multiple times, and I actually went to their live event a few years ago. And the reason for the cold podcast is not only to um, bring about this case and trying to find Susan and understand this kind of mystery, but also to bring an awareness of domestic violence. And if you did not know, I am a domestic violence survivor. And so I really want to bring out more awareness that domestic violence isn't always what we think it is. So some idea of what you'll get in this bonus episode is us kind of diving into a little bit of the story so that you can better understand the um, characters in this story who are real, live, actual people. So I'll be analyzing Susan Powell as well as Josh Powell and trying to understand um, what was happening in their relationship, if they were healthy, unhealthy, and just understanding their Enneagram types because I feel like the more that we understand people and their motivations, the better we can have an understanding of the world around us. This episode does discuss murder and um, domestic violence So if you are younger or with your children I suggest putting your headphones in um, Because this is not a typical episode I do um, Again, if you love the typical episodes Go ahead and skip to those It's not going to hurt my feelings at all But if you are one a person that really wants to understand Like the analysis of the Enneagrams um, This is a great way to start it um, So we're first going to kind of talk a little bit about Susan Powell. So Susan Powell actually, she went missing December sixth of two thousand nine under some mysterious circumstances. And um, Susan just was just a lively, bright, amazing person. She was born October sixteenth, nineteen eighty one, and she is just the light to everyone around her. She was so giving, so caring for everyone around her. Um, She had a wonderful family that loved her, and she was very. Very, very close with them. Susan had a huge heart and was constantly giving to others. And one of the best things about her was how bright and happy she was. And she met Joshua Powell in November of 2000. And they were quickly married um, by April 2001. And they were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which in the area of Utah or in the kind of the culture, um, it is very, very normal to be married very quickly um, because usually you don't have a sexual relation before you're married. So people end up getting married very quickly. Um, And hence why me and my husband also got married very, very quickly as well. So there's a lot more of a background into Joshua Powell. So Joshua Powell, he was born January 20th, 1976, um, to Mother Stephen, uh, or father Stephen and Teresa Powell Um, and they were born he was born in Washington in fact both of them grew up in Washington Um, they ended up in Utah in their later years and Joshua's parents had a very dysfunctional relationship and marriage Um, so Stephen his father Steve he left the church of um, of Latter-day Saints and it which is Fine that he left it he was Very 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 viciously Against it he um Would constantly try to show his Children pornography Um he had some yeah he, He was just a great great guy So as a teenager Joshua Allegedly killed gerbils Belonging to one of his sisters and Threatened his mother with a butcher's knife And he also attempted suicide on At least one occasion um So he was very kind of aggressive as a child. And a lot of that came from the manipulation that was happening between his father trying to manipulate him to be with him against his mother. And you kind of have to know Steve Powell as well to kind of understand this case a little bit more because he's just an absolute creep. But Joshua was living in Seattle as a student, so out of high school, Joshua moved to Seattle um, and became a student of the University of Washington. And that's where he had his first real relationship. So Joshua is always looking for relationships, looking for love and um, truly believe that people like loved him back. He had an odd kind of view of what love was but he had this relationship with Catherine is her name and he met her at a local LDS church they moved into an apartment together and then all of a sudden he became very possessive of Catherine um, he would not allow her to go do things he wasn't allowing her to go see her family and friends which is very much a, a domestic violence like key what's going on um and she was actually very very scared she left she left finally to go to utah to visit her family and that's where she broke up with joshua powell over the phone Joshua Powell was very controlling of the money and the income while they were together. In fact, she got a check from school and he immediately deposited it into his own account and she never got to see that student loan or use the money. In fact, she's still paying it off today. And he was very possessive, controlling of money. He was allowed to have things, but she was not. So here are some major red flags in this relationship, and luckily she was able to get out. But it wasn't long after that Joshua met um, Susan. They met in November of 2000, and they had this relationship for a couple months and got married in April of 2001. Um, And and there were a lot of red flags in the relationship while they were dating, um, and it was just kind of this odd relationship. The parents didn't really understand He was a little bit older than her, and it just kind of seemed from the beginning that there was a lot of control happening. So they had, um, Josh had a bachelor's degree. Susan was a trained cosmetologist. Um, They had some different jobs here and there throughout the years, and they ended up moving to um, West Valley, Utah, which is just outside of Salt Lake City. And after they moved to Utah, they had a son named Charlie, born in 2005 and Brayden born in 2007 and these boys were Susan's like whole lives she loved being a mom but she was a working wife Josh was not good at keeping a job um he very much did not like to have a boss um And so he just was not very good at keeping a job and keeping consistent with things. Um, He was also very into like web design, web development. He became a realtor at one point. He did just a lot of odd jobs, but did not enjoy being employed the control was in full force at this point. And while they weren't, um, physically abusive, um, there was a lot of gaslighting that was happening. Um, there was a lot of manipulation that was also happening. He had threatened to, um, take away the children multiple times. And so in July of 2008, um, she talked about how controlling he was and she actually made a video of the everything that they owned because at that point she went and was talking to a divorce divorce lawyer and wanting to understand like okay what's the process I need to go to if I do decide to leave um so he kept complete control of the finances even though it was mostly Susan that was earning the money um he refused to let his wife have her own cell phone at one point, and he also made her ride her own bicycle um, from West Valley City to her downtown job in Salt Lake City for a while. Um, he told her that they only could um, have showers every other day to save on money. He had to have Susan review weekly grocery ads only by the lowest advertised items, um, or else he'd start taking away money from their grocery budget and these were massive massive red flags and so controlling um so he he was just completely in control of things. And while there was no physical abuse that was being noted, there was massive financial and verbal abuse happening. Um, so there was a letter found in a safe deposit box that she had wrote in June of 2008, stating that if anything ever happened to her, that she needed to, they needed to look into Josh, and that she was scared for her life. So, All of this is happening and it had been very, very frustrating time for both her um, and her family who is hearing of these things and just wanted her to get out, but didn't know how to help her. So she gave Josh an ultimatum that if he did not change, because at this point he had left the LDS church and was very um, verbally abusive to her for staying in the church and If he did not change, if he did not decide to behave better, act better towards her, be more engaged as a family, then she would be leaving him. So she let him know this. And I think it was like a 28 page handwritten back, back and front letter that she gave to Josh. And he began to slowly change for a time, um, for a small, small period of time. So he had until I believe it was April 2010 to kind of get his act together. But on the morning of December 2006, um, or 2009, um, Susan, Charlie and Braden went to church a neighbor came by and visited them in the afternoon, leaving about 5 p.m. Susan, when she had been home that Sunday, Josh had given her some pancakes and made breakfast and kind of cleaned up the kitchen. And this friend that was visiting, um, like Susan all of a sudden became very tired. And the friend that was visiting kind of stayed for a while, still working on, they were like making these balls of yarn together and she ended up leaving when josh is like i'm taking the boys to go sledding and so he took the boys after that but that was the last time susan was ever seen so it was december 7th the more it was a monday morning and her amazing like i can't even say enough about this daycare worker who was like um they haven't come in yet And I'm kind of nervous Because she was talking About her like heater And what if they got Carbon monoxide point Like poisoning But Susan was very Very close friends With the boys Daycare worker And it was not like her Not to bring the kids in So she drove by their house When she was dropping Some kids off to school And noticed that There weren't fresh tracks Outside the house That they were all still Looking like they were Home asleep So she began to be very nervous. So she started to call the family and say, hey, have you heard from them? They went by the house and they couldn't tell if they were home or not. So the police broke into the house and they were afraid that the families were victim of carbon monoxide poisoning, which is pretty common in December. And it also was a snowstorm that day. So they broke into the house. They found no one inside, but they saw that two box fans were blowing on a wet spot on the couch. Um, Susan had never shown up at her job that morning and her purse and wallet were found in her house at the time, which is very strange for a woman to leave Her items at the house and They found that the minivan Was also gone So they were trying to call Josh All day they had called the police and They were trying to figure out where Where they were it was about Five o'clock that day That Josh came home with the boys And went to the police station for questioning He said He had left Susan sleeping at home shortly after midnight on December 7th and had taken his boys on a camping trip to Simpson Springs in Western Utah. Um, So he left. Let's bring this up again shortly after midnight. And I believe his boys were two and four at the time in a snowstorm in Utah to go camping with them. Well, if that isn't the most likely story you've ever heard. So the police kept talking to Joshua Powell and saying okay well where What's happening he's like she should have gone to work She should have gone to work she's not at work Where I have no idea but he Was kind of very lifeless about things So that night he went home After his interview spent the whole night Cleaning which Joshua Powell wasn't really A cleaner in the first place that was his Wife's job to clean and also Work full time um, so he cleaned The entire night he was supposed to go Back in for another interview in the Morning um, at nine o'clock clock and his sister and mom came over to watch the boys at that time. And he asked them to help clean. He actually didn't get to his appointment till noon, um, where he continued to clean all morning. Um, just very, very strange. Josh was not a cleaner. Anyways, he goes in, he continues the same story. They went camping. She should have been on her way to work. He hasn't seen her. In the meantime investigators went to the house and said like oh nope no one should stop be cleaning this is now a crime scene we need to you need to figure out what happened um where they found um traces of susan blood on the floor not a lot of it um, but they found a life insurance policy that had only been signed a couple months ago for one and a half million dollars and they also found the letter with Susan expressing fear for her life and saying that they needed to take a look at Josh. This was not enough however to convict Josh and they did end up keeping his minivan where they found Susan's cell phone hidden in the minivan. Um, As they searched the minivan Josh decided to go get another vehicle and they actually had no idea where he went for the night. He didn't go back and get his boys he just drove for the night and he it said he put about 800 miles on his car that night so susan was never found and she still has not been found to this day um, josh always said he didn't do it had nothing to do with it um, but he was very um, emotionless and very cold during this time and in fact very quickly after she disappeared, he and his sons moved back to Washington to live with his father. Um, which I think is very strange to leave the state that your're missing wife's in if you think she's just gone missing yeah anyways so he moved in with his father this time and there was a lot of police activity um trying to figure out what happened and since he was acting so strange he was the prime suspect during this time um which totally makes sense because number one i think you're a prime suspect if you decide to go take your children at midnight in a snowstorm camping so that already i would convict you just based off of that strange story you're telling me but he was very upset about it. And in fact, him and his father in law got in a lot of disputes during this time. His father in law knew about the abuse and believed it was him from the start. And so he believed, Joshua Powell believed, that he was using the LDS church to completely attack and evade him, um, and try to pin him down for a crime he did not do. So he became very resentful against the LDS church even more than usual. And began to write letters saying that he was being attacked by the Mormons. So during this time, he lived with his father, um which his father, Steve Powell, was um, in love with his daughters or in love with his daughter in law Susan. Um, Yes you heard me right he had actually told Susan at one point that he was in love with her that they knew they were supposed to be together in which she shut him down and said no this is not okay and he continued to believe that she was totally fine with him using voyeurism which means taking videos without your consent Um, he ended up stealing her underwear he he was a creep okay on so many levels and was madly in love with Susan so this hit him pretty pretty hard and it was really hard for him because he believed that Josh and Susan were not supposed to be together that it was supposed to be with him Ugh. um anyways so We also have this like creep factor coming from the father-in-law, which is making this story even more interesting and trying to understand what's going on. So at this point, we have the father who's also very creative. He writes a lot of music and a lot of it was about Susan and he had his own like stage name. He he was he was crazy like again listen to the cold podcast if you want like the full thing because I'm just trying to give you like a rundown of what's going on in life and these are just like the, the the tip of the iceberg. So all of this is going down. Um, Eventually, the police get a search warrant for the Powell household because they say that they have now kept Susan's childhood journals and there is important evidence that indicates that she had a lot of issues and she abandoned her family. So now telling the police that there is evidence in these journals, they now need to have a search warrant so they search this guy's house and they come up with evidence not for the Susan Powell case but that he has child pornography so he is arrested and later sentenced to time in jail but Joshua Powell is still not sentenced with anything although there is a lot of evidence that he is evading the police and lying to the police during this time Okay, so more begins to happen and come to light And Josh actually gets his children taken away And they go live with the Powell parents Which are not the Powell parents, the Cox parents um, Susan Cox's parents And he did not want them to live with him Because they are Mormons And they are going to make his children be against him Anyways, so much more Again, listen to the cold podcast They go in so much details I'm just trying to quickly Um, go over this so we can really kind of go into the analysis part. So at this point, he learns that he will not be getting his children back, which is kind of a breaking point for him. So he begins to figure out his, his insurance policies start to put things away, right? It starts to look like we are getting prepared for a suicide attempt. But since Josh is such a Great guy. Um, he decides that his children, he actually sees his children as an extension of himself. So when his children come for a supervised visit, they run into the house. Yes, the supervised visit was at his home. Um, The children run into the house. He slams the door in the supervisor's face. And she immediately calls 911 saying, I smell gas inside the house. And the children began screaming. Um, This is when it is found out that Josh... um, and killed his children he hit them in the back of the head with an axe and then blew up the house um which is basically a confession of his guilt to killing his wife as well um this shook everyone that was involved in the case because they had fought for so long not only to find susan but to protect these boys and they were not uh, not able to do so so there is so much Oh, there's so much more in this case I can't even tell you um like that his brother shortly after when he started getting questioned also committed suicide um there was a lot of unhealthy narcissistic um and just kind of evil traits about these people and you can see it being passed on from the father to his children and it just it brings me so much sadness because how different would have life have been if if they would have been able to seek help like they needed if they would have been raised differently um so much more. Again, listen to the cold podcast because it goes into way more details than this. Um, And I probably got some details wrong here and there because I just wanted to do a quick, you have to have an overview to understand where the logic is all coming from in this. So I originally kind of pegged Joshua Powell as a type five. Um, Type fives are very cold. They are um, kind of not Like lover type people, um, and they are kind of distant from people. Um, They also are very good financially. They like to take care of their finances. Well, the more I kind of listened into things, I thought, Josh, oh, the controlling aspect. I could see that as an unhealthy one. Unhealthy ones can be very controlling and desire that people do things their way because they see it as the correct way. Again, we're looking at unhealthy traits, not healthy. So I began to see him more and more, okay. I could see him being a type one. He really wants things to be a certain way. He um, is kind of going against his morals and trying to find his own morals. But the more I listened to the cold podcast, I really finally settled in on a number that kind of a little bit shocked me because it wasn't my first idea of what I would have picked for Joshua Powell. But I believe Joshua Powell is an eight. Um, He is an Enneagram 8. So Enneagram 8s, they value freedom and they want to protect those that are theirs. Um, And these are healthy Enneagram 8s as well. They very, very much want their own independence and they do not want to be seen as weak. So when they're healthy, they're confident, they're strong, they're authoritative, they make decisions. They are just so great at including others. They take big risks and they do before they think. And so average way, they um, can be very like confrontational. They don't really want a boss. They are boastful and forceful. And there are stories of like the way Josh would talk to people that he was very intense and kind of demanding. And it wasn't like you were having a conversation. He was just talking at you. So to kind of go into what an unhealthy eight looks like, so um, they really defy Any attempt to control them. Um, And this includes Susan starting to stand up for herself. Um, They become completely ruthless. Dictorial. Might makes right. The criminal and the outlaw. The renegade and the con artist. Um, They become hard headed. Immoral and potentially violent. And I kind of see Josh in this spiral. Where he was beginning to be controlling. Where he wanted things to be done this way. And he believed he took control over his his wife, and his children. They developed delusional ideas about their power, their invincibility, and their ability to prevail. Um, They they have the feeling of being omnipotent, invulnerable, reckless, and overextending themselves. So a lot of this you can see after um, Susan went missing and he truly believed that he was smarter than the police, um, that she will never be found, um, the way he either disposed of her or... Where he put her, she would never be found. So he came across as very, very cocky. And he believed that he was in complete power and control of the situation. Um, And the lowest unhealthy level is if they get in danger, they may brutally destroy everything that has not conformed to their will rather than surrendering to anything else. And if, gosh, his wife and his children... Totally makes sense, sadly. And they are vengeful, barbaric, murderous. They have sociopath- sociopathic tendencies. They generally correspond to antisocial personality disorder, Um, which I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. So this is from the Enneagram Institute. And I was like, yep, he is a type eight. And a lot of the type five tendencies I saw when a type eight is in stress, they go to a type five. And so when I kept seeing oh he's very cold, he's very distant, those were the unhealthy stress traits that he was going to in a tie five. So I believe he is an eight with a wing nine. Um, so wing nines are usually the peacemakers and they are calm, but really he had a lot of the unhealthy Enneagram nine traits, which you can see as it continues to, um, grow and develop in him is he ended up kind of being really lazy and not moving and working forward. So that is my belief is Josh Powell was an Enneagram eight with a nine wing. So Susan Powell, Susan Powell, again, she was the light of the room. She lit up everyone's life. She was very childish and playful. Um, she was so kind and so good hearted. And the more I kind of looked into Susan Powell, I believe she is an Enneagram seven. Um, they are the achievers. And she was she worked very hard at what she did. And she got along and was able to talk and connect with anyone. Um, they Enneagram sevens love to be joyous and careful and vivacious and lively. And I just feel like that fit her so much. So she was this lively, bright person with someone who was very, very controlling. And you'll notice this more and more with domestic violence that people are um, abusers are attracted to those that are very bright and very strong. And they slowly start to change and manipulate them. But the problem was that Susan, she was growing and she was trying to better herself. So you can see her trying to grow, trying to improve herself. And I also believe she was a wing eight. So she had this wing eight that helped her stand up for herself. As she was growing and realizing that this is not what a healthy relationship looks like, she started to really assess the situation and go, this is not how I deserve to be treated or my children. So how does a strong seven wing eight begin to lose power and be controlled? Um, It's a little bit by little bit. Joshua Powell came in with big promises and uh, big beliefs believing in something bigger than himself and as he grew into who he really was he began to take total control over the situation and seeing Susan as something as an asset something to be controlled he would manipulate her and say things like well if you leave I will take the children and the children were her entire life And one thing that was really interesting about this case, um, they had a lot of journals for Josh Powell and they had a lot of journals for Susan Powell. They also had a lot of journals for um, Steve Powell, the father-in-law. So it was very interesting to get inside their heads and I believe it was easier for me to understand them because they did have these journals to kind of back up and try to understand and analyze their feelings. I also kind of think it made it a little bit more difficult for me to pick out their numbers because I had to really get in tune with like, what am I seeing? What what numbers do I see pop up? And I, from the moment I really started to learn about Susan, thought she was a seven, thought she was just so lively and joyous. And I'm so sad that light was put out. Um, but I hope that her story can continue to live on and really be a light for others that are in domestic violence that maybe they're not being physical but they're being super controlling um, that these situations especially because Josh is what's known as a red collar criminal so basically they um they want money and what happens is he started to see Susan as an asset and when she was going to leave I believe he was going to try to get the insurance money from everything so it was all about money for joshua powell and it's so sad that such a bright woman's life was snuffed out and put away but i hope that this story can be a light towards other women to speak up against domestic violence to walk away and to also see the red flags in others that might be experiencing domestic violence as well Um, i also wanted to take a minute and talk about steve powell so Steve Powell, I didn't talk much about him, but he was in love with Susan Powell. Um, he actually was in had feelings for his um, oldest daughter at one time too. He um, he's a creep. Um, he luckily he has passed away and won't harm anyone else. Um, but he was very very artistic and creative. He was a dreamer, and he also was very like delusional. Um, he literally would say things like like Susan would say, no, this is not okay. And he'd be like, I know she wants it. I know she likes it. And so he did not see what the word no meant and would continue to voyeurize more than just Susan Powell, but other women as well. So talking about an unhealthy four, because I believe he was an Enneagram four, I'm not positive on his wing. I will think on that, but, um, I do believe he was a four and so when a four is unhealthy they are tormented by delusional self-contempt self-report reproaches self-hatred and morbid thoughts everything is a source of torment which he uses that word a lot in his journals um, they blame others they drive away anyone who tries to help them they feel hopeless and become self-destructive possibly abusing alcohol alcohol or drugs. Um, they will usually have emotional breakdowns, and suicide is very likely. He did not die of suicide. He actually died of a heart attack. Um, they are avoidant, depressive, and narcissistic with personality disorders. So, from this case, we have Joshua Powell as an eight wing nine. Susan Powell as a seven wing eight and Stephen Powell as an Enneagram four. And obviously, um, Joshua and Stephen are in the very, very unhealthy Enneagrams. So next Monday, I'm actually going to go into a little bit more of the unhealthy traits and what to look for if you're with someone or you know someone that is a certain number and what unhealthy traits to look for. Anyway, I hope you love this episode. It was just kind of a fun bonus I really wanted to do and talk about this case and get more aware awareness of domestic violence um, because it is more common than we think it is. I'll start to do more of these episodes with the TV shows I'm listening to or the books I'm reading so that you can kind of see the analysis that happens. Let me know what you think and send me a message on the Mom on Instagram and we will go back to our regular episode on Monday.